Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor's going to distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.com. FM to get started. You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after show entertainment. Very from the AfterBuzz studios in Los Angeles, California, presented by Maria Menounos and Bing.com, and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies, this is AfterBuzz TV's Game of Thrones After Show. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest news and gossip. If you'd like to buzz in on tonight's show, you can buzz us at 424 256 1729. That's 424. 424- Two five six seventeen twenty nine, and now another post game wrap up show for your favorite TV show. It's After Buzz TV's Game of Thrones After Show. Hey guys, and welcome to Game of Thrones After Buzz TV After Show. Because being us, we're doing, and we're doing the climb. Season 3, Episode 6. Joining me across the table, the always lovely Kristen Snyder. What's up, guys? How you doing? And sitting next to her, Sarah Stratton. (laughs) Hello. And guys, I'm Dave Klein. In the booth, we've got Steven. What's up, Steven? How's it going, guys? How's it going? (laughs) Yes. So I'm excited to talk about this episode because we've got a lot of action going on and continuing. We were asking last week and wondering how awesome it would be if Igrit and John just stayed in the cave forever. First scene of the episode, turns out they haven't, sadly. Or actually, the first scene <laughs> with them. But before we get to that, let's go ahead and talk about Sam, who's with Gilly. And this is the very first scene, trying to build a fire. And he shows off his obsidian dagger to her. And um, for those of you who are wondering what that dagger is, it's called uh, Dragonglass or Obsidian. Those are the two names of that, that type of dagger is. And earlier, we found that buried beneath the ice. And... I mean, I was under the impression that they knew what it did, and then in this in this episode, we find out that he has no idea but just thinks it's pretty. Um, <laughs> I was like, okay. Also, Gilly, she's a strange one. I feel like all of her eggs are not. I figured you were a lordling. <laughs> you are high. What do you expect? Yes. She comes from Craster. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, she's been hitting on him since like season two, so I guess I wasn't. Too surprised. She just wants a way to get out and save her son, and she views him as that way. But um, as far as the dagger goes, it's an ancient thing from way back thousands of years ago. So it's kind of one of those things where it kind of got lost in history what it does and how what obsidian daggers are do if they're a good type of dagger or what they are. So, but it's just kind of an interesting note in that they were that he was showing it off so we kind of get that reprisal of that find that they kind of forgot about up until this point. So obviously it's going to be important soon. Dun, dun, dun. Maybe. Uh, so we have Sam then. Gilly requests a song <laughs> from Sam. What did you guys think about his beautiful tones? I thought it was the song of death considering that baby looked dead and not sleeping whenever they showed it. It looked like she was just carrying a parcel. <laughs> I mean, the song kind of fit the mood of their interactions. 
Well, so the strange s- and uncomfortable. Well, so the song is actually um, it's a song about the seven gods or the seven. So and Sam, can you sing it, please? I don't remember the words. <laughs> I could look up in the book and find it out, but um, it's actually a song about protecting children. So not quite about death. A little bit different than being about death, but it's a song about how the, <laughs> the seven different gods all protect the children, except for there's uh, one of them that they kind of leave out in the song. But it's uh, it's basically like a protect this child song. So it's almost like a lullaby for kids that he's singing, Gilly. So doing a nice thing, but his voice leaves a little bit to be desired, maybe. I don't know. I'm not a good singer either, so (laughs) I can't hate too much. But right afterwards, we get uh, the fun scene with Grit and Jon Snow, and they're hanging out with Tormund Giantsbane, and they're about to go climb the wall. And Grit um, kind of digs into Jon after everything that happened in the cave. And, I mean, I was a little interested in this, um, because she brings up, like, his whole loyalty to her. Mm Mm-hmm. But I felt like she totally put it out there that he was never loyal to the wildlings or to Mance Raider and that she could see through like his whole crow act. Like that was the impression I got. And I just never seen that in any of the previous scenes with them. Mm-hmm. So I felt that that didn't really have any like background and I couldn't see how she saw through him in the beginning. Yeah. Um, so it just kind of felt unfounded to me. Well, I mean, I guess he always was kind of resisting her and was talking when they first met, and he was dragging her along about how he would never become a wildling. So it was such a sudden shift that I guess she sucked through it. And I just wanted to read this from the chat because I thought it was kind of funny. Eric Montag on the chat was saying, I hope, for in terms of Sam singing, he said, I was hoping a White Walker hopped out to shut him up. Oh. But, yeah, so anyways, uh, she's really digging into him, and she says... You didn't stop being a crow the day you walked in Mance Raider's tent. So I took that as implying that he stopped being a crow the moment that they had their moment in the cave. No, she knows that not to be true, though. I took it as she's not going to tell anyone that because he still wants to be a crow and he's still going to be a crow and he still is a crow no matter what he does. And so she's not going to tell anyone because he wants to continue being a crow. He's loyal and brave to the oath that he took. Yeah, Yeah. I felt like she kind of made like a hierarchy, like... She felt that his feelings for the wildlings and Mance Raider were at the bottom, then the crow, and she wants to be on top. And she's like, well, even if you were kind of loyal to all these people, now, most importantly, you're loyal to me above everybody else. So I don't really care who else you like more. Yeah. Or else. Or else. I'm going to wear your pretty little cocker. <laughs> I have to say it. But you know what? <laughs> it was kind of a good point that she made that the wall doesn't care about us. Mance Raider doesn't care about us. All we have is each other essentially to take care of each other. Which she proves later. <laughs> Which they both prove later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Both of them. So let's go ahead and talk about the climb, the name of the episode. The 700-foot high wall. 700-foot high wall that cries as um, on a warm Sam, summer day. Yeah, on a warm summer day it cries. And <laughs> they have a little bit of trouble as they are digging in. John slips and falls and it saves him. And then a lot of I, the wall collapsing on them. Huge avalanche to just... I've experienced an avalanche, and they're the scariest things on the face of the earth. They're also really beautiful, but... Were you climbing on a 700-foot icy wall? I was climbing on a mountain, but I wasn't, like, we... (laughs) Yeah, you were. That's crazy. Crampons were necessary. Which are those little 
for things. Oh, I was like, wait, what? The claws. The okay. claws. I heard wrong. I clearly heard that wrong, too. I think Chris and I were on the same wavelength with that. Crampons are the things you strap I to I definitely your feet. heard a T when you first said it. No. There's a C there. Uh, like, clearly what? Crampons. Those right. things that eat grits. Like, yeah, the things that apparently yeah. They like up. some, like old school version of them but but they're ready to go and Tormund Giantsbane is the one who's leading them up the wall and he's the one who um, it, he's a, he's done this before several mm-hmm. times according to Ygritte so she really wants to see the top of the wall but they have this moment where the wall is kind of collapsing and they, John saves Ygritte because one of the wildlings decides to cut the rope and cut let them both go instead of trying to save them where this Tormund is holding on as hard as he can to try and save everybody so I felt like that was just characteristic of their culture, and it just goes back to what Eager, like confirmed earlier, that they don't care about if they who lives or who dies. It's a very... The whole reason they've banded together is because they want to live. doesn't matter who lives with them, as long as they right. get to live. Right. I mean, in their defense, I really don't think they could have held up all three bodies. No, I mean, I think so, too. But John had it covered, so maybe if he had like, another 30 seconds before it got cut, it would have been fine. Yeah. Maybe. But. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Great. Oh. Song. Is Thank that, you, Steven. Is that Sam singing? <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, hmm, maybe. <laughs> so they make it to the top, though, and have a romantic moment as this is what Grit had wanted was to look out at the north at the top of the wall. And after. I wrote epic green screen kiss because. Epic green screen kiss. Uh, I'm sure they were like, okay, guys, imagine land upon lands and a sky of every color. Now kiss. <laughs> so, on um, the guy, the wildling who cuts the rope, Devin Lamar points out what a douche about that guy. But, you know, you do have a point, Kristen, which is that it's kind of survival at that point. And, I mean, I'd probably be panicking if I was up there. Don't, su- don't sugarcoat what it's, you mean, Eric. Do all four of you die or do half of you live? You know, you got to make those tough choices, tough choices. But yeah, what an epic green screen kiss as it zooms out <laughs> and uh, it gritted seeing what it, she wanted to see. And it's just it also is kind of a romantic moment that you you kind of go through this life or death moment mm-hmm. together and survive together. So that's got to be a huge bonding moment for the two of them. Yeah, she said she waited all her life to see this view up on the wall of, of everything. But she pro- probably also waited all her life for someone like Jon Snow. Oh, <laughs> And guess 464 on the chat says about the Miley song, I thought about that song during the episode. So clearly Stephen wasn't the only one. (laughs) (laughs) All right, but before we go on, I do need to talk a little bit about my siblings. I don't know about you guys, but I've got two brothers. Actually, one they both just visited this weekend, and we like to compete a little bit, and I like to compete for my mother's love because that's what it's about. (laughs) So... Uh, one of the best ways that you can do that is by going to proflowers.com and definitely buy some flowers. Is what I did last year, and I totally won last year. Totally. So if you go to proflowers.com, if you spend $19.99, you can get a full bouquet of 12 roses, rainbow-colored roses. Or if you spend just $29.99, you'll get double that with chocolate and a vase. So really good deal there, and that's – don't watch this, Mama. That's probably what I'm doing. So <laughs> go to <laughs> – Proflowers.com, click on the mic on the top right of the screen and enter in the promotional code AFTERBUZZ and you will get that promo. So make sure to check it out. That's awesome. So let's move on with that said to one of the surviving brothers of the Starks, Bran. And Bran is hanging out with Osha and Mira who are 
contesting who's better with skinning a rabbit. Talking yeah. about competition. Talking about a little competition. <laughs> Speaking of which. So, uh, he, Bran stands up and tries to stop the two of them, acting like the little lordling that he is. Uh, trying to stop them and take control of the situation. But they're having differences. They've been having differences. Been having differences. This isn't new. They've never gotten along. And, I mean, I think it's just one of those things that when someone's under your skin, they can't do anything right. It wouldn't matter if she was skinning the rabbit perfectly. Something's always going to be wrong. And, I mean, I like this little hostility going on between, like, these two women that are kind of, like, they're the protectors. They're, like, the fighters in this group. And I like kind of seeing the tension between them. So, and even when they apologized and they're like half-hearted making up, I was like, you know what, I'm kind of fine with them not getting along. I like the drama. Yeah. Yeah, I I see them like eye to eye and I think that's why they fight is because they're the same competition for each other. They're both at the same level and they're both competing to protect the one they love. And so I think it's easy for them not to get along because they are so similar. You know, it's a little bit of a similarity to what we're seeing in Daenerys' camp between Barristan Selmy and Jorah. Kind of quabbling a bit and um, having a lot of similar background. So I kind of saw some parallels with that in it. But we have Jojen starts seizuring, seizuring as he's sleeping. And right afterwards, it turns out that he was having a green dream. And hopefully that's not what happens every time he has a green dream. <laughs> it's not very comfortable there. But he wakes up and his green dream was about John, who is surrounded by wildlings. So On the other side of the wall. The other side of the wall. So not to get a... Uh, not a good foretelling for Bran. Bran doesn't know what that means. He doesn't know that John's kind of turned cloaked at the moment. But we, I mean, besides the fact that he's confirmed that Jon Snow's on the other side of the wall, we don't know if that vision was in the future or in the present or in the past. That's true, because usually he sees into the future, I believe. So it definitely, that's, that's a good point. So it could have just been when he, like, first was got... You know, taken by them. Who knows? I just want to read this comment because I love the user's name. John Snow <laughs> on the chat says, Poor Hodor was woken up. And yes, it really is John Snow. So, That's awesome. Awesome username, John. I have my Twitter up, so somebody, you can tweet me if you want at Cinematic Escape, and I will read those as well. Yeah, so definitely tweet us as well, and we'll read those if you're not on the live chat, or if you're or on the live chat. Or call us. Or at call us 424. 424- Two, five, six, seventeen, twenty-nine. Wow, guys. We never practiced that, just so you know. We got that. (laughs) Skill. So, someone (laughs) who's got down what he's doing as well is the (laughs) man torturing Theon, who we have yet to have a name of at the moment. No name for him yet. Uh, So, Theon's torturer decides to play a little game with Theon, which is, can you guess where you are, who I am, and why I'm doing this? Fun game where we will cut your finger into pieces. Yeah, um, someone has a little bit of a sick sense of humor. And, I mean, I told earlier, he's like my Rumpelstiltskin character. He's like this creepy little man who sits in in the corner spinning his evil thoughts. Um, But I I completely believed him when he was sitting there moping because he thought the answers had all been right. Mm -hmm. I... I was full struck. Okay, I'm like, now I know where we are. Now we can figure out how to fix this. Like, figuring all the plot holes. I was like, but wait, the Karstarks aren't loyal to them anymore. And then I was just completely blown out of the water. Yep. Nope. Turns out none of that's true. None of it. So, yeah, he's just, again, just playing and torturing uh, Theon. And the one thing he says that seems to be true is, it's just a lie, all this. I just enjoy doing this. 
Which you can pretty much see from him. He does seem to really get a kick out of it. But don't you think there has to be some underlying history there? Like oh, some yeah. Something that's motivating it for it to be at Theon? I feel uh, like, yes. I mean, it seems like there could would be, but there's so many crazy characters in this world, sometimes mm-hmm. it's hard to tell. But the one thing I do want to point out that was pretty important that he says was that he's a lion. So that's the after he says, you're wrong, I'm doing this for fun, and you should know I'm a lion. So he's not a wolf. He's not with the Starks or any of them. I totally thought he said, I'm a liar. That's what I heard, too. Oh, I thought he said a lion. Yeah, I think you're making this up. <laughs> All right, well, there's a new family we'll in subtitles. Yeah, I'm gonna get like, all right, well, you know what? Comment on YouTube and clarify this because I thought I heard lying, but I could have heard it wrong. I definitely I thought think I he heard said liar, you but... never asked if I was a liar, I think. And the whole part about if you think this has a happy ending, then you haven't been paying attention. I like that line, by the way. I really like that read, what he said, where if you think this has a happy ending, you haven't been paying attention. That was a great line. Which body part do you need the least? Answer mm. that on our YouTube comments. Yeah, answer that. <laughs> I have to think about that one. That scene was so snap decision. Go tonsils. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't. I'll know. say I like everything. Pinky finger, probably. That's what because I still talk. have four, right? So I, I guess I could. I have a sixth toe, so we could get rid of one. Uh huh. Uh-huh. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Samuel singing. Oh, so people in the chat are clarifying. So. We got a lot of people. Thank you on the chat. Toast of War says clarifies. No, he said he's a liar. Eric Montag, liar. Kurt Pop, Lady Friend Love, Guest 644, and Samwell Singing is his username. Uh, so they're all clarifying liar. Uh, so actually, Guest 464 says, oh, yeah. So Guest 464 says, um, knows for the body part that you want missing. But yeah, so liar, you guys were Why right. Why you want to miss your nose? So let, let's clarify this right here. You guys were right, and I was wrong. So okay. it is liar, Thank it you. is not liar. Okay. Thank you. All right, with that said, let's go ahead and move on to a someone we know is a Stark, and we know is a wolf, which is Rob. Clearly a Stark. So the phrase have come, and they are asking for an apology from Rob. And they demand two things. What they want is Hall once the war is over, and they want to betroth Edmure Tully to a Frey daughter that he doesn't get to choose. Just one of the Frey daughters. I think it was the oldest, or the, the, 19 the 19-year-old Frey yeah. daughter. And so it was the complete formal apology, which I'm guessing has to be made like at this wedding. And then I think it was Rob that cha- kind of changed or manipulated the Heron Hall situation. He was like, well, we'll give it to you later when we don't need it or after the war. So basically dot, dot, dot in the future because it's not part of the North, so it doesn't matter. Right. Well, I mean, that does bring the question, if it's not part of the North, is it his to give? If it's not considered part of the North after the war is over? Because all they're doing is fighting for independence from the North or from the, so- the South. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but Edmure is not happy, and he wants to have a prettier bride, and he wants to be able to choose himself, especially after what Catelyn said to Rob about... He asked, were there any pretty ones? And she goes, um... You're going to risk our lives for a prettier wife. <laughs> but yeah, so basically he's put in this... I mean, it's a pretty horrible situation. Yeah, like I don't Rob think anyone want to be there. He's paying for his sins, but Rob at least admits that it's not all right. Which was... And I really liked it. Like, Rob owned up to that, that this is his fault. And I think that that's going to even hit him more later. And, like, a kind of guilt, especially, like, at the wedding, because... 
this wouldn't have happened if Rob had fulfilled his duty. And he's expecting his men to do something that he didn't do. And that's something that's not the best quality in a leader. Right. Well, I mean, I guess, yeah, that's true. But at the same time, it's like he already made that decision and made that mistake. And he's trying to move on from there and the make thing, up for it. thing is, he said, I will remember this. And so he will pay for it later. And I'm sure we'll get to see when he does. Right. So he'll try to do something. And I don't know. There's always the freak accident of somehow... Um, Somehow you just happen to become a bachelor again. Whoa, how did that happen? <laughs> that, or, or you step in front of an arrow. Yeah, just by accident. <laughs> it's so, fine. You know, wives and lords could potentially die and be widowed. You never know. I was talking about Rob taking an arrow for Edmir, um, but we could take it there, too. I, I was Kill talking about widow-making. Right. I'm talking about widow- widow-making. I was with you. Okay. Sadly. <laughs> you guys are killing off lady friends. Okay. <laughs> this is where I go. I'm in a deep, dark place right now. <laughs> there are no see, happily ever afters. I see eyes looking back at me through your eyes, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh. Well, you know, with that said, let's go ahead and jump on Arya and Arya's story. Because Arya is with the, um, she's with the Brotherhood, and without banners, and they, uh, Melisandre, well, first she's practicing with Agnor, who's showing her how to use a bow, but, and kind of teaching her, which is pretty cool, because everything that makes her become a bit more badass, awesome. Wonderful. Loved it. I mean, we've always known that she has a skill with the bow and arrow since day one, but I like this, like, new mentory right. thing, and just... She's so good. She's just so good. He he makes a good point, though, that she's hesitant when she's shooting and that she won't be shooting straw men, so she has to do it faster. Yeah, but very cool to see her getting that training. And then we have Melisandre has come to this camp to speak with the Brotherhood, and my first thought is, wow, she is a really quick traveler. She made some... <laughs> Good time on that. <laughs> Finding them and doing everything all the way from Storm's she, End. She Storm- became a shadow baby and soared through the sky. Of course. What was yeah. I thinking? I don't know. I was obvious. Wasn't thinking. Obvs. So, yeah, she, Melisandre comes to talk with them and talk with Loris of Murr specifically because he's the one who also worships the Red God. And they are kind of discussing that they need somebody who... Gendry, because Gendry has Baratheon blood. Mm-hmm. So that would see, at least that's the implication we've been getting, is that's why she wants him, is for his Baratheon blood. But Gendry doesn't know this, correct? I don't think he does still. I still mm-hmm. believe he has no idea. I don't think he does either. And in this conversation with her being here, we get, I felt like Melisandre brought some really deep undertones into this episode. Like I was just getting religious. <laughs> yeah, waves of and it was crazy. Just like all the mentions of like resurrection and belief and struggle with religion, it was really intense. Um, real quick, because I like this comment. Devin Lamar in the chat says Arya is Batman. She sort of is. Lost both of her parents and now she's trained to become better, better fighter. Yeah, but yeah. So Melisandre though, she she's I was a r- I, Raven. Man. Yeah, I have to say I was really surprised by this as someone who reads the texts. See, I'm still doing that whole thing. Uh, from someone who reads the texts, and just because Melisandre's not in this at all at this point in the story, she doesn't appear at all. We don't see her from her, and a lot of the things that um, that's explained to her by Thoris and by um, Beric Dondarrion about how Beric's died six times and survived. It was actually Arya who they were telling that to originally. So they really switched things up. So I'm just throwing that out there for the people who do read. Um, and I'm sure you guys were thrown off by this as well. Just like, whoa, wow, Melisandre's all the way over here. Because she can fast travel, apparently. 
But Barry Dondarrion, they're talking about how she's, he's been brought back to life six times. And she's really surprised that Thoris was, had this power to do this. And how could he do that? And she seems really surprised by this, even though she comes off like... She knows everything, and she can see into the future to everybody else. Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all these shows for you free is by our amazing sponsors, and today Spotify is one of our sponsors. On Spotify, you can listen to all of your favorite artists and podcasts in one place for free. You don't even need a premium account. Spotify has a huge catalog of podcasts on every topic, including the one you're listening to right now. On Spotify, you can follow your favorite podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Premium users can even download episodes to listen to offline, wherever they are, and you can easily share what you're listening to with all your friends and following on Instagram. If you haven't done so already, be sure to download the Spotify app and search for AfterBuzz TV on Spotify or browse podcasts in the Your Library tab. Also, make sure you follow us so you never miss an episode of AfterBuzz TV. Doesn't believe Thoris is that powerful. And we also get from this that she's not the highest authority on the Lord of Light. We get that there is a high priest that they've all gotten their orders from. And there's kind of... They are connected in this community and know what the others are doing, at least like the other like high belie- believers and who speak like high Valerian. Um, and but that's very interesting to me because I felt like this was I couldn't have seen it going any other way without her taking this trip. Like, so the fact that the book is different. Yeah, I think it's a good change, at least from my perspective. Yeah, well, I mean, I think a lot of it usually has to do with that. You have so many characters already in the show and there's so many more characters in the book that when you're just a show, you don't want to introduce more and more and more characters. So it's, I, I do think it's a good thing because you at some point you have to stop introducing so many characters <laughs> so we can grow, grow attached to who we have. Yeah. Just give the lines to other characters that exist. But Gendry is then taken away by her, and um, they give her away, and it's for a bunch of gold, and Arya is pissed off about this. And they're saying that it's to serve the Lord of Light, but at the same time, they also got gold for it. So where do you think their true intentions were from it? Or do you think they're trying to get a twofer? (laughs) Get some gold and serve the Lord of Light. Why not? I mean, I think that they believe Melisandre, and like they explain to Arya, that's their way to survive, so... In their mind, they're not doing anything bad, and they just meant Gendry. I mean, he's nothing to them, honestly. Yeah, and I kind of feel like if the money wasn't there, it still would have happened. Yeah, I mean, this is what they're trying to do with Arya, too, is trying to trade her for money, get some money. So it's like they're pretty quick to do that type of stuff. I really did like what Melisandre said to Gendry, though, that you will make kings rise and fall. And so I don't know that he even heard that, but he will next episode, it looks like. And I also like what she said to Arya when she said, I see darkness in you, eyes staring back, and that you will lay to rest. And I know you guys were saying that perhaps that was Cersei and everyone she's been whispering that she wants to kill. Well, I was thinking it might be a faceless man type of thing, because you Mm -hmm. think about the faceless men, the fact that they can change their face completely. We saw her meet him and get the words and get the coin to meet more faceless men. So I was thinking, okay, maybe that's something that has to do with the faceless men. And that oh, was kind of what I was getting that's from very interesting. it. Yeah, I definitely thought it was more of like who she's going to kill. Yeah. But but she it, does have that darkness, which I would uh, take as the Cersei thing and the name she lists. That was scary to me. Like that whole, there's a darkness within you. Like I see such good in Arya and she's like a kid, so I kind of understand why she like is just wants revenge on everyone. But the fact that she might have a bad side or that darkness scared me a bit and I was like yeah I mean no. she we all love her but she does whisper hate everywhere she's always wanting someone to die and attacking them she's the first one to go at them that's <laughs> I mean, why she's so awesome I know <laughs> I know but, like, but yeah that's a good point though I mean she is definitely filled with hatred right now and as you were saying whispering names doing all of that so mm-hmm. definitely does have darkness inside of her and I mean she's had both of her well 
um, she's just had death around her. Like, everybody yeah. that she comes to trust, like, first it was she witnessed Ned dying. Then she witnessed, um, I, I'm kind of blanking on his name, but the guy who was taking her to the wall dying. So both of the people that she had um, as kind of someone to look up to and to keep her safe and protect her have died. But um, she wouldn't be Batman. She would be Raven Woman. Is yeah. what I was trying to say earlier. So Riller. <laughs> so Riller. Let's correct this. Superhero correct names this. need to be accurate. Riller one forty three on the chat, uh, thinking disagreeing with me, saying that they think Dragonstone to Riverlands in a month isn't that quick. I think uh, just given what we've seen with how hard it seems to be to travel these days, with everyone being like, I, it seems quick to me. But I mean, maybe it's not. But all right, let's move on to Jamie and Brienne, who have finally made it to Lord Bolton's area where they are treated to oh, a nice meal. Oh, please. Josh just tweeted me and he said that he interprets Melisandre's prophecy for Arya as meaning that she'll become a faceless one like Jack and Hagar, just you like go. you said. So, Josh is on your side, Dave. Thank you, Josh. <laughs> You're the best. <laughs> so, Jamie and Brienne. So, we have Brienne uh, so they're they're being served a nice dinner and basically she's wearing a dress. Bri- yeah, Brienne for Keynote. the first time. <laughs> she and it's like pretty or something. Yeah, yeah. So first time she's in the dress and it actually fit her pretty well. Which again, little slight difference in the book. They couldn't find any clothes that fit her very well, so it's actually really loose and baggy on her. But they found something that naturally fits her pretty well. So perfect. Finally, for once, she's wearing it and she. Again, her thoughts are in the or the way that it seems from Jamie's perspective in the book is that she's very uncomfortable wearing that clothing. She's more comfortable in men's clothing and armor, so it doesn't Aren't really suit all? her. I know I, I am. I, I buy mean, a lot of men's clothing. Not gonna lie. I mean that right <laughs> I'm there. And that's in my wardrobe too. <laughs> Dude, this is the first night I haven't worn that. Man, Steven this loves is, that outfit, this apparently. This is armor, obviously. Clearly. She's going for, like, a Cersei-esque golden thing. Yeah. <laughs> armor. Armor. Or Lord of the Rings, either way. But, yeah, so uh, Bolton, so Lord Bolton basically is telling Jamie that, hey, he could do anything he wants with Jamie, but his what he wants to do is whatever's going to get him the most, most money and send him to King's Landing so long as Jamie says that the hand had nothing to do with him as it was really he was pissed off when he saw the hand in the other episode so he just doesn't want to be associated with that happening he just wants to make sure it's clear he had nothing to do with the maiming yeah nothing (laughs) to do with the maiming of the hand so he uh he wants that stipulation to be clear and then brand though has to stay so he wants to do presumably send her for money or for um Sapphires, if or I don't know if he believes that or not, but sapphires from the Sapphire Isle might be what he's thinking. No, he's not that dumb. I think that they just—I'm predicting rape or something, something not good. I mean, I'm confused. He's a very interesting character. Like, I'm wondering his stance on like loyalty. He seems kind of like this guy who's just kind of operating outside of everyone, trying to make sure that he stays afloat, but not really putting his allegiance with anyone. Um, so, how is that going to affect Brienne? Probably not in the best way. Yeah. I like what he did say to Jamie, though, whenever he wanted Jamie to come with him. He said, I hope you've learned your lesson of overplaying your position. Yeah, that was a great line. So even though he wants to not be associated with the hand being chopped off, he does bring in that little dig there at the end. It's reminding him of it. Pretty nice. So let's move on over to King's Landing, which is where Jamie is destined to go where we have the Queen of Thorns and Tywin discussing marriage and Tywin playing up his hand as Hand of the King. (laughs) 
And you look pretty dis- excited to discuss this, Zaris. I'll let you jump into it. I absolutely loved this discussion. Um, just because it was the first encounter where we see these two go at it and they're having an argument over the marriage. And basically the Queen of Thorns is like, well, Loris is a like prized person and we're not going to let him just marry this old maid. To which Tywin responds, well, then he's going to become a member of the Night's Watch and you're going to lose him anyway. Key moment in the entire thing was her turning to him and saying, "Well, it's nice to see up, um, be with a man who lives up to his reputation," which was just to me closed in all the other conversations she's had, like with Varys and like with like Tyrion, where she's always been like, "Oh, and you were supposed to be this, and you were supposed yeah. to be the person yeah. secrets." Yeah, she was disappointed with meeting oh, well. everybody else, and like yeah. finally, like you see her give a little bit, give in to someone. Because they've lived up to who everyone says they Maybe are. Maybe she just likes powerful men. Tywin's playing the power card there because she's so powerful. She always just bosses everyone around. Wedding number seven? Wedding number eight? <laughs> nine? She's met her match. It's love. I mean, they both admit to being old. <laughs> uh, Eric Montag says on the chat, Queen of Thorns for the win with the sword swallower line. So, no, a good line, but it was also I just love them digging into each other about each other's problems with their family, like her bringing up the incest between Cersei and Jamie, and him bringing up the fact that um, Loris. that Loras is gay as being a huge issue in the realm. <laughs> and I like how she questioned his sexuality. Right. It was like it's natural for boys to find themselves with other boys under the sheets. But that you was know what's hurting? But you Did know you what's not? <laughs> <laughs> but you know what's not natural? Brother and sister. So, which was a great way to lead into it, but yeah, also just that factor of Cersei's old at this point. Can she even give babies? So she's not right. worth as much, even though she's the most beautiful girl in the realm. So great back and forth. But it seems like Loras is set to become a member of the King's Guard because, or not? Actually, he's not. Never mind. No, no, I take no, it no. back because she she snapped the quill. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I read my note wrong. That's also, forward scene with Sansa, and the this is yes. going to be awkward. Yeah, so we get Sansa spending some time with Loras, who is so romantic and so into her and flirting with her the whole time. <laughs> he's and so bad at it. She's like, oh, this is like a dream. And he's like, oh, yes, it is. And she's like, and I've dreamed of our wedding. And he's like, oh, yes, I have. And he mentions everything but the bride. I mean, he's clearly just agreeing with everything yeah. she's says, saying. Oh, and uh, the, the bride, and you'll be so beautiful, too. I've dreamed of designing your wedding dress. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, well, I don't know. He's a sword man, though. He's he's good with that's what he does. You don't have to be that. You don't have to be go that far, man. <laughs> but yeah, he uh, not kind of a. It's funny to us as an audience knowing everything. It was pretty comical, like a comical scene because right. of how awkward he was, and we know what he's really thinking. But we have watching them, Tyrion and Cersei. Both not happy about the entire situation of everything. And teaming up to some degree. I love Tyrion mentioning um, about the four of them and how it's just like, I don't know which of the four of us got the worst end of the deal. So just how there's none of them in this arrangement is going to be happy. No. Nobody. Right. And he's like, is there anything we could do about this? And she said, we could kill them. <laughs> <laughs> like it was nothing. Like it was just throwing something away. But we also get a great moment afterwards where we finally find out about Mandon Moore and, and Tyrion figuring it out where as he's a member of the King's Guard, the only person who could give him orders is the king. So that means Joffrey must have been the one who ordered Mandon Moore to kill Tyrion. Which Tyrion says is dumb because it becomes very obvious about what happened since that's the case with the King's Guards. But 
Uh, and Cersei just won't say anything, and it, it becomes pretty clear that that's the case, and she's completely lost control of Joffrey. Right. No, yeah. that's a good point. And um, I, I, it's clear, I guess, to him that he hates him because he's the only one who tells Joffrey who he is. So. Yeah. I mean, that was a big point. And I think also just the fact that you get a little bit more of a bond by the fact that he also pointed out that he is her family, and if she's going to defend her family, he needs to be kind of included in that because he's done a lot. I, I really like that part. But we also get this moment of them finally being nice to each other for once. Like, she says, all right, you did do a good job with the wildfire and actually giving him some props and some credit for what he did to defend the realm. Mm-hmm. And her opening up to him about how worried she is about everything with the Tyrells and how once Marjorie's married Joff, they're completely out of the game and they won't have any control whatsoever anymore. It'll be completely Joffrey and Marjorie. So she's concerned about what's going to happen with the Tyrells. Especially because she has absolutely no control whatsoever over Joff. Nope. And now they have to just break the news to everybody. Yep, everybody. But let's go ahead and talk about that. this awkward introduction <laughs> of uh, Shay is dressing as Sansa. And when Tyrion walks in to speak and wants to only tell Sansa first, Sansa won't let Shay go, lets her stay. I what like what he said. Great way to break it to both, yeah. He was like, sometimes we wish we heard something until we've heard it, and then we wish it was under different circumstances. Because that happens so many times. I think that's a very true statement, too. Yeah. So I, that rings true all the time. And so it was a good, great line for that sake. I might need to memorize that one. Yeah. Quote it later in all my awkward situations. In your real-life situations. <laughs> Whenever you well. don't want to <laughs> tell them exactly what happened. Yeah, but that, it's a great line it's a great scene because it really is something so true that rings true for anybody and how to begin this is awkward <laughs> so another great line i this this conversation needs to be in the next episode i i just want i want to see it happen and lady friend love on the chat is agreeing with you and i agree with you too and lady friend love says i so badly wanted to hear that conversation and me too. I was kind of sad that they cut away from it. I wanted to see their reactions to it, especially Shay and Sansa there at the same time, How watching both of their faces. Well, Just, we know how strong Shay is, and clearly when we get a glimpse of them later, we can tell who's really affected by it. And yeah. Shay knows what she's in for, and I feel like the way that she loves Tyrion, she won't be affected by whatever laws of the land come into play. But I do want to bring back something that we saw from a previous episode, which was that Shay was really jealous when Tyrion was talking about Sansa before any of this was a factor or could be a possibility, she was getting jealous when he was just talking about, I think he was just trying to protect her or something. He said she was pretty. Yeah, yeah he said he she, like was, said pretty she was pretty and she was, he felt bad for her. It was something like that. Like He wanted to pr- help her out because he felt bad for her. And she was getting jealous. Yeah, but we both agreed, I remember, that it was just Shay being a woman and having to act jealous. But she's so much stronger than all these men. She knows what's going on, and I think she'll be just fine with it. Yeah, so Eric Montag. I don't, I don't think, I think that her biggest problem is going to be him not being able to stand up to his father more. I think it's going to be more in that direction. Like, no, you need to stand up for me. It's not as much like for like the good of the realm. She's like, no, I think she's going to be like, you need to be my man. Stand by me like, and stand up to your father and not do everything he says. I think it's yeah. going to be more that type of anger. I don't know. I think this will actually be a good cover story for her to be closer to Tyrion. And she came into this situation knowing they couldn't really be together, but only behind closed doors. So I think that she knows what she signed up for. Yeah. But uh, Eric Montag points out or thinks that Shay's outbursts are going to get her the Roz treatment, which brings us to the next Ooh. scene. 
So let's go ahead and talk about Littlefinger chatting with Varys, um, where he's sitting in, quote, the Lysa Aaron of chairs, or second choice, which I like that line. Lots of great lines this episode. Anytime those two go back and forth, it's so mm-hmm. brilliant. I love the way that they do, like, have those two, because they're such schemers and so smart, always thinking I, it's like a chess game and watching two brilliant chess players playing against each other when you watch the two of them talking. But I constantly find myself rooting for one of them at this point. Well, which one could that be and why? So we find out that uh, Littlefinger reveals that he knew ever- that he found out about everything. He found out who the traitor was um, and how Roz had uh, kind of went over to Varys' side. So he decided to deal with it by this new opportunity from this new client. Ugh. Happened to be Joffrey, and what? And we get to see Joffrey doing exactly what. And apparently, this was a foreshadow when we think mm-hmm. about it, where Joffrey was talking about this crossbow with Marjorie, and how much he seemed to want to use it on someone. And from the torture scene we've seen in the past, he finally gets what he's been wanting to use a crossbow on a whore. So live out a dream. Live out always. the fantasies. <laughs> so if only you were a king, creepy. you'd live out your. Amazing fantasies like that. Gross. So victim of lies in Joffrey's The hand slap points out that, as opposed, I said she's a whore. She's more of a prostitute. Ah. So. She's also, not anymore. She wasn't anymore. Yeah, she was moving up. And according to Vera, she thought she was moving to new places. And she did move to a new (laughs) area, new place. The next. I don't know. To me, I mean, Littlefinger's, like, Speech speeches are just getting harder and harder to understand. I think his accent is getting thicker. His monologue about the climb was... I don't know. I was confused. I couldn't understand what he was saying. I'm going to have to re-listen to it like four times, probably write it out to see which sentence means what. I actually... This was like my favorite part when Littlefinger was talking and he said that chaos is not a pit, it's a ladder because you can only go up from there. And I like that part because when... Even applying it to our daily lives, when things are bad, you can only go up and then it, it... you build off of that. You get out and you resurface and th- there's something better that comes out of it, which from this chaos, clearly we see Ra- we see Shay and Sansa looking out at Littlefinger's ship as if that's her ladder out. So I really saw that. Yeah, as... I, I did really like that, that juxtaposition there with uh, the mm-hmm. ship and Sansa. And I, I totally agree with you on that. And I also like when you think about in the theme of the entire episode where... The entire time when North, we have the whole episode about John and Igrit climbing the wall. So again, it completely relates back to that. The tying in, I love. The tying in is always great. One of my favorite things of the show. But sometimes I wonder, we, but, where we watch in our studio, I, I think sometimes the volume is not the best, the speakers. It could be that. Definitely Boo not. you. I, I heard everything. All right. Dave, I, go get your ears cleaned. I really do enjoy seeing Littlefinger's <laughs> real character showing, though. And his voice during this was just so telling of who he really is yeah it totally is he's such he's willing to do anything he's such a dark i think he's i mean outside well i guess the guy who's torturing theon is pretty dark but i mean little finger we've seen go to such extreme horrible places and even though he's not doing the acts himself he is willing to make any sacrifice to move forward Definitely. so we we really are coming out and seeing a lot about also the difference between varus and little finger where varus talks about how what he does what he does to protect the realm and that was another line i liked from yeah. little finger about the realm which is that what are we trying to protect? The, basically, the truth is a lie. And, so, and what do we have once we abandon the lie? Right, which is what Varys asked. What do we have left when we abandon that lie? And so Varys kind of takes that standing that if we all 
stand by that lie, then it means the safety of everybody because everyone will come together as the seven kingdoms. Whereas Littlefinger talks about it's all it's all just a lie. So it's I, I like that uh, discrepancy between the two, and as you point out, Stephen, finding out their true characters. But um, with that said, let's go ahead and move on to some news and gossip. After Buzz TV News. This is more of just a quick throw out thing for you guys to do. You should go on YouTube or online and look up SNL because they just did a skit. Um, it was, I can't say his name. I'm so bad at it. Zach Galifianakis. Zach Galifianakis. There you go. <laughs> um, <laughs> he was just on SNL. One of his was Game of Game of Thrones. <laughs> Jeopardy-esque. Really funny. I just recommend you guys all watch it. Especially what I learned. What I learned from this was that I know more about Game of Thrones than I do about politics or real life. <laughs> so In general. Um, <laughs> it, I've been thinking about it. I'm like, it's amazing how much I know about the history of this world. So I really feel like, wow, I know so much about the history of everything that happened, and this isn't at all real. But it's all right, because Game of Thrones yes, is so amazing. Is. It's such a great world that he that George R. R. Martin created. I want to read out this line real quick from Samuel singing on the chat, because it was pretty funny. Littlefinger needs to get the Davos slash Theon treatment. Live up to his name. Because Davos's fingers were cut off, and Theon oh. had his fingers smashed and cut. So clever, clever on the chat. So let's go ahead and jump on some comments from you guys. On iTunes, I want to thank, look at your face, JK076 and Dr. Magoos. Thank you guys for commenting and rating us. And look at your face says, I give the show four stars, which would be great if it was based on a one to four scale, but it's not. It's a five star scale, by the way. I just found that funny because he still gives four stars. He's like, all right, thanks. <laughs> great. Thank you so much. Uh, all right. YouTube, on YouTube, uh, again, we have so many comments. I can't read out all the names, but thank you guys. Jackhammer23 on talks on Rob last week killing Lord Karstark. A king can't have his underlings running amok. Unacceptable. Rob did the right thing. So he thinks Rob did the right thing in killing King Karstark uh, or Lord Karstark. Ankalagan76 agreed with you last week, Sarah, about how sudden Loris was willing to have sex with the guy that Littlefinger uh-huh. sent out. Uh, especially as Loris had said previously, no candle can replace the sun with the sun being Renly. And all of a sudden, he's this quickly ready to move on. Um, and then Jalad Wino uh, misses the prophecies from the book. So in the books uh, for Game of Thrones, there are all these prophecy characters that we see and that we get. And actually, there's one they've been skipping on this Arya storyline that would have just happened. But you know what? I think for a TV show, you do a prophecy like that that pretty much gives away the plot. Right. So, I mean, they do it so mysteriously in the book that you kind of have to guess, and it's a guessing game, but you still have the full book to read. So I think they don't want to give you, like, a month's time to try and guess and figure it out based on a prophecy. Uh, and then Kyle Foster has a, quote, serious question. Oh. If the GOT families were sports teams, who would they be? <laughs> <laughs> well, the Ravens, clearly. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. I like Not that. Not that I'm a fan, because I bleed Steelers' blood. Yeah. I mean, I kind of just go with my, my home teams. I'm just like, all right, well, obviously the characters I like are for sh- play for Chicago, <laughs> because that's who the characters I like. Arya's obviously a bull. She's Michael Jordan, because she's amazing. I'm going to say the band of, brother, band of Brothers is the Raiders. Oh, oh, okay, nice. that's good, that's good. Point. Um, Eric says that he's waiting for an episode when something bigger happens, and Jeff says much love for our show and that he loves us. Oh, thank oh, you so thank much. You. And, and finally from Kyle Foster, he says, last season was obvious Tyrion was the central character. 
Would we say Jamie is the best actor this season with his plot line? So maybe it's kind of shifted focus to Jamie this season. I mean, I love Jamie. Also, side note, he's also featured in the SNL skit. Ooh, spoiler. Oh. Um. <laughs> Jamie has so much crap on the YouTube chat. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know who, like, the main one is. This That's a really good question. What do you guys think? Who's, like, the, the main guy this season? I mean, I think that just from... If we're basing this on, like, the books and, like, George's preference for characters, we're always going to see a lot of the imp because he loves him. Yeah. And... Because that's him, he said. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think we're still seeing a ton of Tyrion, but I think it's also kind of shifted focus to... It feels like we're getting a lot of John this season and his mm-hmm. story and what's going on with his life. And then I would also agree that Jamie's really become a much more central character this season. So I, I would agree with that. But let's go ahead and really quickly talk about some previews, and then we will wrap it up. And now, you're after Buzz TV. Prediction. Spooky music for this. John is pissed about being um, cut on the wall. That's what we find out immediately. He's not happy about that exchange. For some reason, I don't know why. And there's going to be dragons and blood. I'm most excited about that. Yeah, so Daenerys wasn't in last week, or this This episode. She will be back, it looks like. Okay. And you're just about to shoot at something. With an arrow. Yep. Who and knows? Gendry finds out who he is. <laughs> and Gendry finds himself. Yes. <laughs> so, looks like next week's episode, a lot of exciting stuff. For those of you Daenerys fans, I'm sure you can be excited for more Daenerys next week. I'm so excited. But guys, thank you so much for joining us this week. And once again, I'm Dave Klein. You can find me at Twitter at TheDaveKlein. That's K-L-E-I-N. Or go to my website, djk-online.com. You can tweet me at Cinematic Escape, or you can bing my blog, Cinematic Escape. I have to find out something to say in this section. You do. You need to plan I it. don't know what, but something. <laughs> my name's Sarah Stratton. You can find her in the AfterBuzz yeah. TV studios. So just always every watch Sunday night. Watch all the constantly, shows. Constantly. Constantly. Thanks, guys. Bye, guys. All right. From Bing.com, executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.